Well, good morning, Elevate. Hope you guys are doing okay. Um, if this is your first time worshiping with us, everything that we do here is on our QR code. You probably saw it as you were coming in. I think probably Drew talked about it in the welcome. Um, if you scan that QR code, all the information uh, about our church is there, our website, um, where to give, and um, if you want to follow along with the scripture and the sermon today, the Bible notes are in there as well. You can click on that app if you want, or you can go to the Bible app, and if you go to the events page, uh, all the information is there today. So we are in the final week of Philippians. Um, Drew mentioned that, that we're going to start a, a, a new series next week, kind of a version two of the Ten Commandments. Um, but we have spent multiple weeks trying to understand how Paul's relationship uh, with Jesus seems to get stronger in the current situation he has been. Um, we've also noticed that he has found this new understanding to be connected to God, to be connected to Christ. Last week, we talked about peace and being thankful, how in our life we need to find shalom with Christ. We need to find that connectiveness with Him. We need to be able to walk beside Him in all situations and find peace, to not be involved in anxious and anxiety, but through prayer and petition, we can find peace which transcends all understanding. That we can search for things in the world and find earthly peace, but there is a, there's a peace that comes only through Jesus that we can't understand. After going through all of those things, after going through the beginning of Romans, we now are finishing up Philippians. And I have one question that I want to talk about today, that how we're going to end and that what, what, what Paul is talking about. The question is this, is God good? Is God good enough? Is He good? And I know this is a heavy topic to end a series, uh, but that's the way Paul writes. He never ends with this super easy, like, thank you guys for listening to my TED Talk. Thank you guys for just picking up my letter and listening to me. He ends with this really heavy concept of being content in everything. And is God good? You know, is it, can we believe that God is good in all things? Can we believe that in all times we can say, you know, God is good? See, I know this is a difficult thing to do. I know it's difficult because I've experienced it in my life. And if you guys are anything like me, it is very difficult to sit here and confidently say God is good all the time. And I've, I've met some of you guys and I've been in current rooms with some of you guys where in one breath you say, you know, God is good and then you turn around the corner and stub your toe and you say, gosh, you know, something. And in the same breath, you're kind of like, you know, is God good all the time or is, when I stub my toe, is he not good? Is God good all the time? Is it situational? Is he good sometimes when, he get, when we receive the things that we want? And is he not good or not with us in the times that we don't get good things? See, these are some of the questions that I get asked a lot with people here and people that are non-Christians. These are some of the things that the prophets asked whenever they were going through their current situations. Whenever they were called in to do something crazy, there were certain times where they're like, man, God is with us. God is good. Look, God showed his presence. But at the same breath, shortly after, they get put in a situation where they feel alone, where they feel like God isn't with them. And they're like, God, are you even good? 
man, God, God, are you here with me today? God, do you not love me? Why would you put me in this current situation? This entire book of the Bible, we have seen Paul transform from this person who has kind of been frustrated by his current situation and slowly give it over to God. And at the end of this book, he says that, yes, God is good. But we know that this is kind of the way that we're supposed to live life. We know that we can't honestly say God is good all the time in our current situation because we can kind of live in this current state of frustration. We even see in the, in, in the Bible where there's entire books dedicated to people kind of lamenting in their current situation. Like they're in a situation where it's very tough. They feel, they feel like they're in a dark place. They feel like they're alone. And they feel like they have to just get, sit back and kind of share their heart in the current situation, that they're kind of giving, trying to give it to God because they feel so disconnected to Him. So here's my main point for today before we continue. God is good in our toughest times and in our greatest victories. See, Philippians 4, 11 through 13 says this. This is where Paul picks up in the end of this book. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do this through Him who gives me strength. Paul, in his current situation, he says he's content. Through all the things that have happened, through the ups and downs of ministry, and finally being put in prison on death row, he claims he's content. But the reason he is content is because he has found the source of his strength, he claims. To be content through Christ. No matter what the circumstance is, he says he can be content. But before we go any further, I would like to say that this is a learned thing. Very few people are born with this understanding that you can just be content in every situation, especially when you're with Christ. And honestly, a lot of people fight tooth and nail over and over and over again in their current life situation before they can ever feel like they are content in their current situation. What Paul is not saying here is that, you know, life is easy and it's whatever. Like, whatever comes my way, it's just whatever. I'm just flipping about everything. That is not what he is saying. That even in the toughest places where he is now, He is content through the power of Jesus Christ. But in order to be content with everything, you have to have some sort of accepting behavior. You almost have to have this trust on the current road that you are on. Being content is is adding on to what we talked about last week, where you have to be at a state of peace with your current situation. Now, this is really easy to do about 50% of the time, right? Like, it's really easy to be content and to say God is good whenever things are going right. 
It's really easy to be content in this situation when you get what you want, and it's really easy to say, man, God is good. It's really easy to get the job that you want and say, you know, God is good. It's really easy to be in a situation where you have really good friends around you and you don't feel alone. You may say, man, God is good. It's really easy to say God is good when you finally find the person to date or to marry the right person. You may say, man, God is good. He placed this person in my life. It's really easy to say God is good when you win the lottery. It's really easy to say God is good when you get pregnant and say God is good. And it's really easy to say God is good when your family is in good health and your extended family is in good health and the people surrounding you are in good health. It's really easy at that point to say God is good. But that's not the situation Paul's in. And that's not the situation that he's talking about. Is God still good when those things don't happen? Or do you think God is, when you think God is not on your side? See, from my experience, if you're anything like me, you probably get mad at God. You either start screaming at Him in frustration, or you probably just stop having fellowship with Him altogether. You stop praying with Him, you stop worshiping with Him. And we do this because we get in our discomfort, our plans get missed, and we're, or if we're in some sort of poverty, poverty, And all of this comes, all of this natural inclination finally comes because we like to interpret God in the wrong way. We naturally like to put ourselves in the center of everything. Now this comes naturally to us because we are told from a young age that we just need to survive. Like, we need to make sure that we feed ourselves, we need to make sure that we clean ourselves, we need to make sure that we do our jobs, we need to make sure that we clean and and have good hygiene. We need to make sure that we are in the right place when it comes to people around us, that we put ourselves in in good situations to be successful. We are told from a very young age that we are the center of the universe because we need to continue to live forward. But sometimes we like to place that idea with our relationship with God. We're kind of like King David when he sent the Ark of the Covenant away because he was mad at God. See, the Ark of the Covenant was a place where God reigned, where he lived in the Old Testament. And whoever had the Ark of the Covenant, God blessed them in every every situation. If they went to war, they would win the war. If they needed uh, more finances, God would provide that way. If they needed better health, God would provide that way. And God and, and David got into a disagreement, and David didn't get what he wanted. So he sent the Ark away to some other person, and he went to war, and he lost. And on the way back from war, he witnessed that this person who was holding the Ark of the Covenant, he started to get blessed. His family was in good health, his finances started to increase, and he was in a, and he was in a great situation. And David got jealous of that guy that had the Ark. And he called for the Ark to come back to his presence. It seems that we do the same thing. When we don't get what we want, When we don't like our current situation, we remove God in fellowship, and we ask God to come back when we see other people receive blessings, when we see other people who come to church and have fellowship with one another, when we see other people be content in their current situation, where they have peace in their life, and we witness that and say, okay, well, maybe I should bring God back in my life. We do the same thing. We say, God, you're awesome. God, please come back with us. 
But I believe God calls us to be faithful and obedient in and out of every season. That we don't disconnect with Jesus because the season is hard and we don't get what we want. God does not want us to swing in and out of following him, but do what Paul says. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether we're well fed or hungry, whether we're living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. I visited Knoxville a couple years ago um, and ended up um, hanging out with a couple of my friends who still live down there. And after we had dinner, we decided to go to uh, the old city in Knoxville and try to watch one of the sports games that was going on. I don't remember what sports game that was um, or what sport it was in general, but I just remember they really wanted to go watch this and I was kind of tagging along. And it was a spur of the decision moment and we decided to walk to the old city. It, wasn't, it was probably about a mile walk and it was, it was really nice outside. And on our way there, we saw a couple carrying a bunch of stuff kind of seemed like they were lost. You could tell that they were not from the Knoxville area. And my friend at this moment felt really inclined to stop and cross the street and talk to these people and see if they needed help. And whenever he, we had this conversation with them, I say we because I didn't, it was him. He wanted to have a conversation with them. He wanted to help them. And we realized that these people were trying to find the Greyhound station in Knoxville. They heard that if they, they made it to Knoxville and they made it to the Greyhound station, they could pretty much get anywhere they wanted to on this part of the United States with a very cheap Greyhound ticket. And, this per, and my, my friend looked at me and said, hey, I think we should help these people. And me, I wanted to just hang out with my friends. I just wanted to be down in Knoxville, hang out with some of my college friends, go watch this, the sports game, and just have good fellowship. But he wanted to be a better Christian than me and put me in the situation where it was the right thing to do, and I just grumpily saying, yeah, we can help them. And we realized that the Greyhound station was about two miles away, so we walked with them, helped them carry their stuff to the Greyhound station. And on the way, we kind of hear their story, where they're from, and they kind of lost everything and the drop of a hat, and they just wanted to get to Knoxville so they can go down south to start a new life. And when we get there, this whole time, I'm frustrated. We walk this two miles. I'm not really saying anything. I'm not asking any questions about these people's life, but they seem pretty happy or they seem pretty content in their current situation. They'd never argue with each other, even though they were lost in directions. And when we get to the Greyhound station, my friend bought them their ticket. And he asked me to pitch in some money, and I grumpily gave him my wallet, and, gave, and they took some money. And my friend looked at them and said, hey, the reason that we did this is because we believe in Jesus, and we, think, we thought that Jesus would want us to help you get to where you needed to be. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's what we were doing. And the guy looked at me and had this big smile on his face, like that annoying smile, like he was going to throw something in my face. And he takes out his wallet, and he takes out this business card of some business in a different state. And on the back had this big smiley face on it and said, smile, Jesus loves you. And he said, I've, ever since I was given this business card, I've tried to live my life being content and believe that Jesus does love me and that he will put people in place to help me get where I need to go no matter what the circumstance and I remember as we walked away, I punched my friend in the chest and said, don't ever put me in that situation again where I feel like a bad Christian. 
You know, sometimes we learn what content is like from other people. Sometimes we get put in a situation where we're just in a bad mood, and we know that we should be content because we are Christians, but it takes somebody else to be completely content in their life to realize, how do I become content like that? Where you witness somebody that has far less than you, that is in a far better mood than you could ever be in, and you ask the question, how can I be content like that? When you read the book of Philippians and you see Paul's in prison, he doesn't have anything, everything's been stripped away from him, and he says he can be content in every situation, and you have everything that you need in your life, and you ask the question, how can I be content like that? Shortly after, my friend looked at me and said, Rob, when are you going to stop living your life in a constant state of frustration? Why can't you just be content in your life? Paul, in another writing in Colossians, said this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in words or deeds, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Paul here is describing something that has been removed where he takes the things that he thinks that are good and literally clothes himself with the things that are good that Scripture says. That you should forgive and put on love because of Jesus Christ. That you should clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. That what you need to do is replace your expectations of what you think is good in your life and replace them with the good that God believes is good. Paul's expectations of his life did did not include him going to jail. If you read some of his old scriptures, he boasted in Jesus and he looked forward to meeting people in different nations so that he could plant more churches and reach more people. You You could definitely see that his plan did not include him going to jail and being on death row. How many of us have those expectations in our life? Where we let where we let things, the good of our life, overturn the good that God has in our life? How many of us expect good things that we think that are better than the things that God thinks are good in our life? That we think that our plans are more important than what God has plans. Our expectations of good 
is for us to get what we want and be as comfortable at all times. You know, we want to be in the right job. We want to be comfortable. I want to live the, the win the lottery. I want to get married when I want to. I want to have kids when I want to. I want to never get sick. I want to always be financially secure. And I always want the people surrounding me to be in good health. And I want mine to be in good health as well. That night, I will probably remember for the rest of my life. Because I had the entire night planned out for what I thought was going to be good. But God had a completely different plan, and I was not okay with it. This is something, this contentment, this peace amongst Christians is something that I so desperately was drawn to whenever I became a Christian. That it didn't matter what was going on outside of the church, that the people came to, on Sundays and worshipped. I don't know if you guys remember this, or some other churches like to do this, but a lot of other churches do a printed bulletin. We don't do a printed bulletin here, we do everything online. But a lot of churches will put all of the prayer requests in this bulletin. And after a few months of going to the very first church that I was a part of, I realized that the people that were sitting to my left and to my right that were elderly were in the prayer request bulletin asking for healing for their ailments in their life. Whether they had cancer or they, had, uh, they were just at poor health, they were just getting older and their bodies were slowly wearing down, or they had family members that were going through tough situations. And you couldn't even tell that these people were going through these tough situations because they were there to worship Jesus and they were content with their life. I remember thinking, what is wrong with these people? Like they have all the reason in the world to be frustrated. They have all the reason in the world not to come to church and not to worship. They have all the reason in the world to just sit and complain. The person who needed a kidney transplant, the person who had cancer, the person whose mother wasn't doing well, the person whose kids weren't doing well. Man, I have a cold, and I'm moping around for two weeks, and these people come to church, and they are ready to worship at every chance that they have. And I finally asked one of them how they could do that, and they told me with, with all the confidence in the world that in all circumstances no matter what happens in their life, they start with the cross. See, Isaiah 53, 2 through 6 says this, describing Jesus. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces as he was despised. And he held him, and we held him at low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions transactions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own ways, 
and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity for all of us. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. These people worshipped the Lord continuously through their sufferings of their life because they knew that Jesus' pain and what he paid for them that covered all of their sins. That the knowing and the knowledge of Jesus Christ was enough in their life that no matter what was going on with the sufferings of this world, no matter what troubles were brought on their life, whatever suffering, whatever loss, whatever frustration and more, they knew at the end of the day that their life was paid for and that at one point they were going to find that they were able to have fellowship with Jesus completely. Since we are a small congregation, I have the pleasure of having intimate conversations with most people in this room. I have the ability to know your stories. I have the ability to know your victories and your struggles. I, know, I even know the extent of your extended family and how they're doing in some of you guys. And at any given moment, about 50% of you are, are, can sit here and say, you know, God's good. You got a new job, you're, you're in good health, something good happened in your life, and you can sit there and say, you know, God is good. And about 50% of you, at any given moment, have a lot of pain and suffering in your life. And I know it's hard to stand up in this moment and say, you know, God is good. But in both parties, we need to remember that no matter what happens on this earth, if our bodies fail us, if people fail us, if our houses fail us, if our jobs or our plans or anything on this earth fails us, the love of Jesus will never fail us. That no matter what happens, grace can and does abound in every situation. For Paul being in jail, things weren't going his way, but he knows at the end of the day that Jesus died for his sins on the cross. That even though that his body is slowly deteriorating, even though that he is being punished for other people's things outside of prison, even though he is captive and he is not going through his life the way that he wants, he knows that he can be content because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That he can find strength through the grace that Jesus gave us all when he died on the cross. He knows that God is good in our toughest times and in our greatest victories. So I'm going to ask the question before I pray for every single one of us today. Is God good in and out of season? Can we sit here and say in our, our greatest times and in our strongest hurts, it doesn't matter what's going on, God is good because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for reminding us at the end of this book that no matter what happens in our life, no matter what situation, when our bodies fail us, when our, when our friends fail us, when people fail us, our jobs fail us, no matter what goes on in our life, in our strongest frustration and in our greatest times, we can say, yes, God, you are good. That we can be content in every situation because we know at the end of the day, at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end of the day, we can say, thank you, Jesus, for the death, burial, and resurrection that you did 
where you paid the price for our sins, that you bore so much pain and suffering so that you can give us grace so that we can have fellowship with the Creator. That we can learn from the prophets of their biggest times of need and their greatest victories where they even looked at God and said, God, are you with me? And at the end of the day, they can say, yes, God, you are good. God, thank you so much for your love that never fails. Thank you so much for the grace that never fails. Thank you so much for the relationship that never fails. And I pray that we're content in that. God, you are good. I ask this all in your son's name.